Good morning, everyone. I've been allotted to, to do the reading today. The reading is from Revelation 12, and I'm reading from the New International Version. And the subtitle is The Woman and the Dragon. Who's, who's read Revelation 12? It's an incredible mystery. A lot of symbolism. I'm sure that as I read, you should pick it up. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on, on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with the iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and, and to his throne. The woman fled in the wilderness to a place prepared by God where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. That's just about three and a half years. Then the war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of, the, of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They have triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell on in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. When the dragon saw that he had hurled, he'd been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle, so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness, where she would be taken care of for a time, times and a half, out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with a torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went to wage war against the rest of her offspring, who's those who keep God's commands and to hold faster their testimony about Jesus. Here's God's word. Thank you for that, David. Um, so, Revelation. <laughs> um, who, here, who here has read Revelation? Yeah, a few people. It is not easy to read. Um, it is. It's tricky. Um, when I when I first t- 
told Luke that I was wanting to do something from Revelation. And I actually told a few other people, like, um, so Samuel and Yoy, when I told them, just big grins came on their face, like, <laughs> I told Mark Illingworth, he's like, oh, wow, okay. Um, I have the privilege today to speak from the craziest, surrealist, imagery-laden book of the Bible. And before you ask, I actually did choose this. Luke, Luke didn't put it on me. I, I, I did choose it. Um, The book of Revelation, it's a book of prophetic, apocalyptic literature. Um, And to be honest, I I, I get quite confident sometimes in doing things. And so I was was confident about this. But this morning, as I was getting things ready, I wasn't confident at all. I was a little bit, no, I was very much nervous. And I was kind of, oh, no, what's going to happen? This is very, very weird stuff. Um, But... Everything just went away during the worship when Rhiannon and Yoy were up here and just like the, oh, that like brief, like sigh of relief when we were seeing here I am to worship and just going, hang on, how come Yoy on his guitar and Rhiannon and their voices, that's all that was needed to, to get that confidence. And this has nothing to do with my sermon, but I thought I'd just kind of share that because it was just that moment of, oh, it's going to be okay. <laughs> um, now, there is no book in the Bible like Revelation. Um, Clayton and I did a little learning uh, unit thing a couple of terms back, um, and we kind of looked at a bit of the books of the Bible and how they are written and all that. And you can separate the books into like the Gospels are one section, um, the letters of Paul are another section, um, you've got the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. But every book of the Bible has another one that it's like except Revelation. Revelation is the one that stands out as the only apocalyptic literature in the Bible. And it is one of the main books of the Bible you cannot just read literally. Okay, It's the sort of book that makes some fantasy novels or movies look tame. And it's very hard to understand at times and really easy to misinterpret. So I think the best thing to do today is to start off just by praying and hoping that God can weave these interpretations and words from my mouth um, into your hearts. So, uh, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. I just pray that you will um, use this wonderful book of Revelation um, that can be terrifying and it can be so hard to understand and just weird as anything, God. And I just pray that you would use the words written um, in, in this, this wonderful book to shape our lives and to point us towards you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now, first things first, before we get into the angels and the, uh, the dragons, we need to escape. Who here has done an escape room before? Oh, only a few people, okay. Um, those of you who've done it, they're pretty fun, right? Um, you get locked into a room and you have to solve all these challenges. You have to solve puzzles so that you can escape, so you can get out. Um, and there's been, ex- I've, I've, I've done a few escape rooms. There was one um, I actually didn't, um, finish, didn't complete. I think the Langlands were with us and the Williams, um, and we didn't finish, but it was still fun. It was frustrating that we didn't get it, but we, we, it, was, it was a good experience. Um, so today at the Billabong, we're going to do an escape room. It's going to be a really short and a really easy one, um, and you don't even need to leave your seats. So here's the scene. You're being chased by a fearsome dragon with multiple heads. Um, And you have to find a safe place to escape to. Let's call it the wilderness. 
To get there, you must complete a series of tasks. Your first task is a maze. Now, you can see it on the screen behind you. Oh, it's oh, perfect. You need to escape this maze and you need to bring with you one provision. Oh, lost my maze. Coffee, chives, chocolate, or cheese. You have exactly one minute starting now and you need to find out which provision you bring. And when you figure it out, put your hand up. Oh, Dean's got it. Karen's got it. Excellent. Okay, Dean, Dean, you were first. What are we bringing? Cheese. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so you managed to make your way through the maze. I don't have the answer. If you want a print out of it later, I can get you one. Um, so you grab the cheese. What's inside the cheese? Let's have a look. Oh, uh, I probably didn't need to actually seal these envelopes, but that's okay. Oh, look, we've got some wonderful, cute photos of kids. Now, there's something hidden in this photo. Can we go to the first photo? And now you need to try and find out what is hidden in this image. Can you see? There's a C and a P. Cool. The next one. Oh, a bit trickier. E. O. Cool. The next one. Okay. What else? A K and a... There's two in every one. What was that? Did someone say T? Hmm, okay, how are we going to solve this one? What? So we've got six letters, what do they spell? So we've got P, O, C, K, E and T. Oh, good, you solved it, well done. Oh, okay, now is there something in my pocket? Oh, okay. There's a special piece of paper in my pocket. And I'm going to put it up on screen so you can all see. Oh, okay. Who knows how to solve this one? Every good escape room has some sort of Morse code in it. What was that, Francis? Uh, there's no O, but there is two S's. So it's got five letters. This last one in the set and the third last one are S's. Not Oasis, very good guess. What was that, Michael? Jesus, yes, well done! Oh, fantastic, you, you solved it. Jesus is the answer and you've escaped your escape room. Today's sermon is looking at the wilderness as an escape. Whenever I try and read something from Revelation, I just have a lot of questions. In this chapter, for instance, I had questions like, where are we escaping to? Why, why are we going to the wilderness? What sort of a place is the wilderness? Who are we escaping from? And who is this character of Satan? Questions that sometimes the... the the chapter in the book will answer. Um, but I thought it might be fun just to kind of address a couple of these questions and then put them in a little bit of a modern perspective. Um, so I think a good starting point is actually, who is Satan? The image of the dragon in Revelation 12 is self-proclaimed to be the devil. It's, it's meant to be Satan. They, they're quite obvious about that. 
Um, but what does that mean in terms of how he's represented in other parts of the Bible and what is he like in present day? In a key wilderness passage that Luke has already preached on um, in Matthew chapter 4, it's about Jesus' interaction with Satan. Um, it's when he goes out into the wilderness um, and it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry and the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. How is the devil described here? What does he look like? Does anyone know? It doesn't say, because it doesn't matter. It's not about his appearance or his image here, unlike in Revelation. Satan could be a voice in Jesus' head, a snake, a red-skinned, horned, humanoid character. He could be an innocent-looking child. Matthew's gospel doesn't elaborate on what Satan looks like because it's not about that. It's about Satan's character that is the focus. What does Satan look like nowadays? Fun fact, the kids and bubs have been looking at Jesus and his disciples in their Sunday morning programs, and last week the bubs had this sheet to colour in. Now, ignoring the fact that there's the names on there, which one is Judas? He's the evil-looking one, isn't he? It's so funny. Every single Christian thing that goes out, if they ever have the 12 disciples, you can always pick Judas. You can never pick which one's Bartholomew. Just like you pick the villain in an old Disney movie, um, so too have we been taught how to recognise the villains of the Bible. In Revelation, John describes the symbolic image of Satan as a seven-headed, ten-horned, seven-crowned dragon that could sweep the stars from the sky. That's an obvious bad guy. To his audience, the early church, this would have been an absolutely terrifying, evil, worst of the worst image. Um, but one thing that we need to know about Satan is he's not always obvious. In fact, Satan works best when he isn't. Now, as per usual, when I preach, I've got to mention the Chosen series, okay? If you haven't watched it, you just keep listening to me preach, and I'll just always say it until you find like, oh, okay, I'll watch it now. Um, now, up here is headshots of the 12 disciples. Um, if you haven't seen the Chosen series yet, I want you to have a look, and I want you to pick which one is Judas. Do I have any votes for um, the guy holding the knife? Who thinks it's the guy with the knife? No? Oh, you, you're trying to, you, you think I'm tricking you, don't you? Um, how about, uh, oh, I'll throw it out. Who, who thinks they can pick which one's Judas? The third one at the top? Cool. That's um, Peter. Simon Peter. Okay. Who else do we have? Who else do we have? Top right? Um, I think that's Nathaniel, actually. Any others? Now, those of you... Who here has watched all of Chosen? Do you know which one Judas is in here? <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. Well, 
it's fair enough because I didn't put Judas on this. This is 11 of the disciples and the bottom, the second and the bottom, and that's John the Baptist. I didn't put Judas on there because it's a bit of a spoiler as to which character he is because Judas does not look like Judas in this. He looks like the rest of them. In fact, he looks less terrifying than some of them. The guy with the, the, the knife, that's, that's Simon the Zealot. Do you guys know what a zealot is? They're warriors. They are terrifying. He would have been the obvious choice as to who was going to betray Jesus from the beginning. Simon Peter up there, he was buff. He was strong. He was the rock. He would have been another person that would have been an obvious betrayer, the obvious kind of bad guy. But we've got this idea of, of Judas being that evil-looking one. Okay? The devastating power of... Oh, sorry, no. Um, <laughs> Satan or the dragon of Revelation 12 is a scary image, no doubt. But it's also something we see on a daily basis. You just need to chuck on your TV and there'll be a seven-headed dragon on there somewhere. Look in a comic book. Things are much more terrifying in there than a dragon. There's kids' shows with dragons in them. The devastating power of Satan is that he deceives. He deceives us to conjure these images of dragons and demons when the enemy of now, the devil of now, is present in much more subtle ways. Satan is, I can't do this. I'm not enough. I'm not prepared. I'm not worthy. I'm all alone. No one likes me. No one understands me. I don't need anyone else. Things will never get better. This is Satan. This is what we are facing and this is what we need to escape. The second question that I kind of came up with as through reading this um, that I want to look at is, where are we escaping to? The woman in Revelation 12 is a metaphor for Israel, a nation chosen by God to bear the Saviour, Jesus, unto the world. And this nation of Israel is under attack from the forces of darkness and in need of a refuge, in need of a place away from the battle. This place, this wilderness that they mention, is a place where God has provided for them. So it says it's a place out of the serpent's reach. So what do you picture in your mind when you think of a place where everything is provided for you. And I don't want you to think of your home outside of that. A place where you can go. For me, it's my grandparents' place, actually. Amy's thinking the same thing. We share grandparents because we're sister and brother, so, you know. Um, it's knowing that I can go over to my grandparents' place whenever I'd like to, and my grandma will constantly offer food and conversation. There's a soft couch to sit on, always, and she'll probably make other people get out of the couch so I could sit down on it because I'm her grand grandchild. Um, and there's always sports or game shows on the TV. It's not really a wilderness, but it's not the regular world that I live in. It's not my house. It's not my work. It's separated from the norm and the everyday life and all the stresses and worries associated with it. This escape also fulfills the solution to the deceit of the devil. I can't do this. 
Well, my granddad will encourage me and say, yes, I can, and I will. I'm all alone. Well, there's people right here with me. Things will never get better. They already have. Uh, now, as I mentioned before, um, last week, Annalise and I were, well, Luke told you all that we're um, looking into this calling as to whether or not um, we're going to be the ones leading this church plant. Um, it's a big deal. And it's something that we didn't put our hands up to do lightly. But it's something that we're really excited about. And so a big question going through my mind is, what does the wilderness look like for church planting? I mean, already it feels like we're heading outside of our comfort zone, the comfort of our home into a wilderness. But is Power Waters or Harrisdale, is that really a wilderness? What is God providing for us there? And what are we escaping from? These are questions that we're still wrestling with. But the big encouragement that comes through this chapter is that knowing that the, the wilderness is a place where God provides, but also it's a temporary wilderness. The wilderness is not the end point. It's what differentiates it from the promised land to the Israelites. The wilderness of this church plant venture is not our end goal. Our church plant is not even the end goal. When I think about um, the the wilderness and going out and meeting people in this new foreign land, which is a five-minute drive from here, and going and kind of talking to people, it does sound like a bit of wilderness, but I hope and I know that as more conversations happen, as we get more comfortable, it will shift, it will change. John uses some really interesting numbers to describe the length of a wilderness um, time in this uh, Revelation passage. It says uh, 1,260 days, which is about three and a half years. He also uses the, the, the words a time, times, and half a time. I didn't get further enough into studying this to figure out exactly what that is. I think it might be a similar number. Um, but the point of it is the wilderness isn't forever. Now, I'm just going to stray a little bit from my notes here. Sorry, Nicole. Um, because for some people, your wilderness, your place of refuge can be something that you're currently in for a whole, whole range of reasons. And I, I just really want to echo this and encourage this point of that wildernesses don't last. They're temporary for those who are struggling in a wilderness. It's not a forever wilderness. Now, I can't preach on Revelation um, without mentioning the apocalyptic nature of the world that we live in. Yep, the coronavirus is here. It has brought turmoil, stress, pain, death, change, and it has most definitely been used as a tool by Satan. I don't want to say that the coronavirus is Satan, but definitely a tool. Now, we need an escape. A lot of people need an escape from this. What this passage is teaching us is not to escape from this just to anywhere, but to escape to a place of provision from God. 
Now, this, this passage, it's, it's long. I wanted, I wanted David to read the whole thing, even though I'm only focusing on little bits of it because, oh, there's some of the imagery in here, like the whole river and everything. It's phenomenal. It's crazy, the different things in pictures. Um, but I want you to think about the fact that this was written 2,000 years ago. Now, whether or not it's written for this time or that time or another time that we haven't seen, these sorts of passages we need to look through, read through the Bible and not get freaked out. We can't go, oh, no, end of times, dark days, bad things happening. We've got to see, see the good and see the things going on. For instance, one part in this says that after this time of wilderness is over, or you go back to the other people who weren't in the wilderness. And it says that during the wilderness, there's other people out there who are fighting the battle. They're fighting God's battle because of what they believe. So I'm going to finish today, and I, I wasn't sure exactly how to finish it, but I want to finish it by saying some people here are in a wilderness. Some people aren't. If you're in a wilderness, I hope you can find a place in that wilderness where God is providing for you. And if you're not in a wilderness... We've got to be fighting a battle for those who are in it. Now, that can look like so many different things. It can be supporting those people, praying for those people in it. Or it can be going out and finding others and bringing them in. I just want to finish today just with a a prayer. Um, So if you'd like to join me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have done um, in our lives. We pray that you will continue to challenge us, continue to grow us and bring us to places where, God, your provision is all that we need. Remember the prayer that Jesus prayed, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And God, I pray that that provision is something that you can show us that we already have, God, Pray that you'll help us reach out to our brothers and sisters who are in a, in a wilderness, whatever that might look like. And God, as you protect them there, I pray that you'll help us protect them too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.